Welcome to Waiting For You, the podcast where we talk infertility, hope, loss and courage. I'm Janine, mum of one, a newborn and family photographer and lover of dark chocolate. Here we will share stories of families who have faced a different or difficult journey through conception, pregnancy or postpartum. I want to honour these stories and have them be heard and I want to bring it all, the tears, the hope, the despair and the joy. Today I am chatting with Hayley. This is a story of a woman who left no stone unturned in terms of seeking support from the world of holistic medicine alongside IVF treatment and talking to different specialists. Hayley now has a one-year-old daughter. Here's Hayley's story. Hey Hayley, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, it's great. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Do you want to start Hayley by telling us a little bit about you and your family? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm married to my husband, John, and um, we have got two dogs and we've got a little girl, Alexis, who has just turned one. Oh, amazing. Has she just had her birthday? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cute. Just fun. <laughs> and what, I mean, obviously with a one-year-old, it might be different to what you normally love to do, but what do you love doing as a family? Uh, we absolutely love going to the beach and we're, we've always been into the water and the beach and traveling around. So um, we, yeah, we, we love going to the beach and she's now at an age where she just really gets into it, which is really cool. Um, so that's probably our main thing. Lots of dog and bushwalks, yes. um, being out in nature, um, yeah, that's that's kind of us, really, to a T. That sounds lovely. And lots of nice beaches near where you live, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're lucky. <laughs> so today, Hayley, you're going to share with us how you came to have that beautiful little girl of yours. Um, how did you kind of find out in the beginning that you were going to, that you were facing some difficulties around your fertility and that you might need some treatment? Yeah, we, we'd started um, trying, I think when I was maybe 34, we mm-hmm. thought, okay, Let's get going. And John's a little bit older, um, so he's twelve years older than me. Right. And uh, he he had two kids already. So, uh, but they were pretty much adults at this point. Yeah. Um, so we thought, okay, we'll we'll get going. We've just been married, and yeah. So kind of thought I thought you know that it might take a little while, but after about a year, because we didn't try try, I wasn't tracking any anything in particular probably for the first six to eight months. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after that, I sort of thought, after about a year, I remember saying to John, hmm, I think we might need to actually maybe track things and do this properly because, you know, we haven't got pregnant. Yeah. Um, and so I started tracking my cycle and things, but we still, um, and I always had quite a regular cycle, so that was fine. And my, a friend of mine had actually lent me some ovulation tests and, yeah. I um, was sort of tracking my ovulation that way. And so, yeah, so after sort of, I guess, maybe six months of doing that, I thought, oh, this just feels a bit odd. And I'd actually had um, probably a month prior to going and seeking um, some help with Fertility Associates, I had been late on my period and I Mm -hmm. thought, um, oh, you know, maybe this is it. And I did a pregnancy test. And I had a, a super, super faint line. Right. Um, and I remember that my my dad um, and my stepmom were staying at the time. But I didn't really, I thought, oh, that's nothing, you know. I didn't right. actually realize that a super faint line could mean anything. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I tested again a couple of days later and it, it had gone. And so it wasn't until I actually rang Fertility Associates and told them that um, in my sort of initial consultation that they said, mm-hmm. oh, you've, you've probably had a chemical pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, so it was just good to go to Fertility Associates and have a chat and, uh, um, and everything. So we, yeah, we went there and I remember walking in and John and I were both like, oh, maybe we don't even, you know, we probably nailed it this month. We probably got the timing right. Um, we probably don't even need this. And yeah, so it was it was quite interesting. Um, I guess mm-hmm. our, our frame of mind at that point yeah. to, to seeking help. Yeah, what did fertility did fertility associates do anything at that point? Yeah, so the specialist that we saw, he sort of asked us a whole bunch of questions, and mm. 
Um, and then he sort of said, well, gosh, you guys seem pretty boring, really, <laughs> on paper. <laughs> it doesn't look like there's anything um, that's sticking out here. Um, but yeah. he, he did ask me, um, you know, what were, what were my periods like? What was my cycle like? Um, and you know, did I have any pain with sex and things like that? So there were a few little questions he asked me. And, um, and I said, oh, actually, there were a few things that came up. One was for about a year I'd, I'd had mid-cycle spotting and um and I had just put it down to I was really busy at work and I just put it down to oh maybe I'm just a bit stressed Mm -hmm. and um I didn't really think it was a sign of anything and then he'd also yeah asked me about any sort of pain during sex and I said oh well yeah actually the last couple of times it's it has been a little bit painful Mm -hmm. um so he said okay well let's do you know do you mind if I do a uh, a scan, um, ultrasound, uh, sort of wand, and um, and then did that and sort of found. I mean, he was sort of looking at a whole bunch of stuff on the machine on the monitor, and yeah, um, he said, "Oh, it looks like you might have a cyst on your ovary." But he said, "Oh, that could be, you know, if you've just ovulated." Um, yeah, yeah. And and then he said, oh, "I'll do a, a physical if that's all right." So he yeah. did that, and that he really sort of pushed quite hard um and that was quite painful and then he sort of finished and he said oh look I think you've got stage four endometriosis and yeah and so it was a a real shock actually (laughs) because I wasn't expecting it at all and I didn't really know anything about endometriosis I'd heard about it I'd heard that it impacted fertility um that's probably the main thing I'd heard about it and Mm so you know, when you hear anything that says stage four, you know, it's, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and my, my poor husband, he thought he had no idea what endo was. So he just went straight to the, like, cancer. Stage four. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, and so we sort of, yeah, I got tidied up and then we went and sat down again and then he explained what endometriosis was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Poor husband. <laughs> yeah, so thank goodness he, out. He, yeah, he found out pretty quickly that, that you know, <laughs> it, it wasn't as bad. Um, yeah, and so he gave us a lot of information, but he said, look, because, you know, by this stage I was 35, he said, because you you, you guys want to get pregnant soon, um, I would recommend that you go on to IVF straight mm-hmm. away. And at the time, and, and he said, look, why don't you go for an MRI? Um because that that is um, not as invasive as a laparoscopy and um, it will right. probably give you a good indication of of where the endo is. Oh, that's really interesting because that yeah. was going to be my next question was did he do a laparoscopy? No. Right. So, no, he said if, um, you know, that that was an option and usually what happens when they do that is if it's, you know, if they if they see it, they find it, then they'll get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I, But I wasn't sure at that point if I wanted to do that. And I also didn't have any health insurance at the time, oh, which no. my husband had been going on and on at me about getting health insurance. <laughs> and um, so it was sort of, there were a few things, you know, financially, did yeah. I want to go and, and spend $10,000 on, on that? Um, or, yeah, I think I just wanted to sort of leave and, collect my thoughts and work out sort of where to from here so the MRI was quite an easy sort of soft yeah yeah pain-free yeah yeah exactly I find endometriosis so interesting because people can have it like you have it at stage four I mean you had a few symptoms you didn't realize were related but you had no idea yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah it's re- it is really interesting and you sort of wonder how long you've had it as well you know was it right from the beginning that you yeah. you know started puberty and those hormones came online or yeah or what um yeah very intriguing um, very interesting so you did the MRI did it kind of get confirmed through that that that's kind of yeah it did so um they sort of said you I had one endometrioma on one of my ovaries and uh and one of my ovaries was fused to the uterus, but wow. that wasn't it. Wasn't seen as um, you know really bad or anything. It was just mm-hmm. you know that was just sort of part and parcel of what can happen. Yeah. Um, but also quite a lot um, of endo in my rectum and sort of that area, and that's how they sort of classify 
stage four. So it was yeah. interesting getting my results and talking it through with the specialist again, because he said, I'm really surprised you've not had any sort of issues with your bowels and things just based on your MRI. He said at that point um, that because it was quite a, because it was quite extensive in that area, he said, uh, and I hadn't had any issues. He said that, you know, there could be quite a risk if you don't get a really great surgeon that they could actually do some damage in there. Mm, okay. um, so that sort of made me go, okay, I wasn't, because I didn't feel that I had, you know, a lot of pain or, uh, you know, I didn't feel like it was really impacting my quality of, of life other mm. than maybe hampering sort of our efforts to get pregnant. I decided not to go through surgery yet. I didn't feel like that was the route I needed to go, yeah. go with. Yeah. Yeah. And Especially uh, if you were going to have to pay for treatment. It's like yeah. in between surgery and treatment, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, that's point. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, so did you go ahead with treatment at that point? No. So I ended up, I felt really funny about IVF to begin yeah. with. Um, mm, it's pretty, and I, pretty kind of intimidating thought, eh? Yeah. Um, mm. I felt, I think, overwhelmed with all of it, actually, with, mm. this, with the potential surgery, with with everything. I felt like I'd really lost control mm. of my whole sort of situation. I'm a really, like, I'm a project manager. I, right. you know, I, I manage things, you know, that, that's yeah. what I do. And, and I get results and I found it really hard yeah, to have this thing, I didn't even know really what was going on or how to fix it or or even if I could fix it or, yeah. you know, what was in my control. So I, I did a, a bit of research and I found, um, I found that endometriosis was sort of starting to be seen as a, an autoimmune condition. Um, and mm -hmm. I ended up going to see, um, I contacted Mickey Willardin, um, mm -hmm. who's a nutritionist, and I said to her, look, you know, do you help um, people with their diet um, who have got endo? And, and I explained my situation that we'd been trying to get pregnant and that I'd like to look at sort of ways I could manage it, you know, without surgery and see if it makes a difference. And she was great. She um, she gave me the hardest thing I've ever had to do, which was um, <laughs> an autoimmune protocol diet, which basically you strip everything out. Um, you end up basically eating meat and and salad and vegetables right. um, you can't sort of have eggs or nuts or seeds or um, yeah. you know gluten dairy sugar all that sort of stuff, oh, good stuff. Yep. Um, yeah so it was it was pretty drastic because up until that point I'd just been living a normal life you know yeah. so I did that for a month and but I was so committed to it um, and I think it just gave me a sense of control that I was mm. controlling my food so mm. Yeah, I felt like I was doing something. You were um, doing something, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And um, I still look back at it now and go, God, how did I do that? Because um, mm. it was pretty tough, and I had to learn a lot about what to cook and, you know, to eat nicely. I guess. Um, yeah. And my my husband was like, Oh God, what are we going to have? Because I always cook. So, right. um, yeah, it was quite. And in, in lots of ways, it was it was um, kind of fun too because I had to be a bit creative about things but yeah so I did that and um and then after the I, I remember saying to her look how am I going to know if this is even going to work because I don't have any symptoms so um and she said oh well you just you'll you'll know because you won't get any flare flare-ups and I thought well I don't have any flare-ups you know I don't know don't know what you're talking about but I kept going on with it and at the end of the 30 days so it, it sort of worked quite well because I it but it ended up being sort of bang on when my next cycle was due. Right. And um, and I had such a different cycle. Um, like it was so different. Um, mm. And I that, that's when I realised that actually I have got symptoms um, and I've yeah. just normalised. I just thought they were normal. Yep. And um, so it was actually incredible. I... I had a very like clear period. Um, I used to have a lot of like clotting and mm. that's a real sign of endo. Mm. Um, I didn't have any mid-cycle spotting. Um, I had been getting really sore lower back pain. Yeah. And again, I just thought that was, you know, typical PMS type mm. symptom. I, I didn't even know my period was coming. 
with this. So um, it was, yeah, drastically different. And that's when I realized, wow, okay, like what I'm eating does make a difference. And um, to kind of, I guess, yeah, the, the inflammation in my body and what's going on. So um, I continued to work with her and, and through that protocol, you start sort of reintroducing things to right. see whether or not, um, you know, they're triggers for you. Mm-hmm. It's quite, that's quite hard as well. It's probably harder than, than doing the diet actually, because you, you introduce something very slowly and then you have to wait and mm-hmm. monitor and it's sort of like you could get a headache and you sort of go, well, I don't know, did I just get a headache because, yeah. you know, or was it because of that? So I think probably wasn't as diligent with that whole process, but the one thing that I did definitely um, have some reaction to was when I reintroduced gluten. Um, and that was, I was really quite unwell when I did that. So um, I just basically stayed gluten free from then on in. And then I actually got, then we fell pregnant. So three months later, after starting this, um, we got pregnant and I, yeah. I just thought at the time, oh my God, we've, we've, we've done it. We've done it. Like, yeah. you know, again, that kind of project manager mentality, like stuck to the plan and this is what happened and <laughs> what the result, what the result. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was pretty uh, excited. I hadn't told anyone. And then about, I think my scan was my first scan was at six and a half weeks and around six weeks, maybe seven weeks. And, um, yeah, just after six weeks, um, I noticed a bit of spotting and then from there, unfortunately miscarried. Um, so yeah, that was really, really hard. I found that really difficult. Mm, Um, It's so difficult. eh? Yeah. It's a, and, and even though it was, you know, I feel glad in lots of ways that it was early Mm. because I think if it you know I've got friends had friends who've had miscarriages and they've found out their 12 or you know 13 week scan um and or you know or later or even just a couple of weeks later and I just in some ways I was just really grateful that I did find out earlier um but it's still yeah especially when you've been you know by this stage it was a couple of years um trying you yeah yeah um it's, it's a it loss yeah it's a yeah. loss uh, no matter at what point right yeah definitely yeah um but my best friend I, I told her um afterwards and because we'd gone to the hospital and she, we'd asked her if she could look after our dog and she just she was just shocked because she said oh my god you got pregnant like mm-hmm. you know isn't that isn't that amazing and so yeah she kind of it was also quite good that she helped me reframe that a bit in my head like actually yeah we we did it and we could you know potentially we can do it again yeah yeah um so yeah so I thought at that point you know well we've cracked it so you know we should be good to go now and it's just a you know will just be a a matter of time and was it a matter of time (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well no not really so I think at this point because of that thinking I had in my head I thought I would get pregnant really quickly because mm, mm. um, you and, were doing all the right things right and then, yeah that's right yeah. yeah and um by about March it hadn't really been that long but so I this was I miscarried in November by about March I started feeling really just super low and yeah. I just thought oh my God, like, where am I going to go from here? Mm. Um, I didn't, still wasn't ready for IVF. I think because I had got pregnant, I thought, no, no, I can do this. Like I, but, um, but I just felt like I was sort of trying, I was starting to temperature track my cycles and everything. And, and I just felt like I didn't have anyone support, supporting me and Mm -hmm. didn't know how to do things. And I, you know, just felt like I was a bit blind. So, I, um, that's when I sought out, um, Lula George, I was basically Googling up like other people's fertility stories. And, um, and there was an article uh, of a couple who'd gone and seen Lula George at Motherwell. And I was like, right, that's what I'm going to do. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have, um, had her support through the, through this kind of experience. Yeah. She's pretty well known for it now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And she's just so lovely and yeah, yeah, 
yeah. just fantastic. And I, so John and I went off to see her and she, um, I said to her, oh, look, you know, can you help me? Like, can you help people like me? Is this what you do? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, you're not unique. Like, this is, this is a, you know, common situation yeah Yeah. um and so that was great and I just yeah straight away I felt like I had someone who who was yeah working with me and looking at my my charts and yeah there's that support you needed yeah that's right um so she just because I sort of was um already kind of doing the right things in terms of diet um she really just supported me with you know checking certain um, blood markers and um, supporting my endometriosis with supplementation so yeah so we did that she also gave me so a bit of a plan around you know this is what we'll do and and she explained that you know we want to get your body basically you need to stop trying for for a few months right which to me at the time was like what mm. because mm. I felt like time was just ticking and um and she said, no, we're going to stop. We're going to focus on your body. We're going to get your body, um, you know, in its peak condition. And, you know, and an egg needs 90 days to, to um, you know, be the best it can be. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we'll, we'll work to. And then, you know, and then you can start trying again. Um, she also said that there was a um, quite a good treatment called um, lipidal treatment that mm-hmm. had had a lot of success with endometriosis patients. Right. And um, so it was a natural treatment that it was a poppy seed oil flush through the uterus and fallopian tubes. Wow. And they actually use, I think they're actually using that same treatment now just for, um, you know, general flushes to see, you know, if your tubes are blocked or anything like that. Wow. Um, but this one was had been yeah specifically tested for um how did it help support fertility um and yeah it was i think the results were sort of one and um or or endo patients sort of four and fourfold um got pregnant versus the um women with no endo so um yeah it was it was promising um so yeah we I think from between sort of, yeah, maybe then July, August to um, to up to December, we were trying again and we then did the lipidal treatment in December. And that's when I started um, the specialist, it was, it's a um, an IVF doctor who does it um, at Reprimend, ah. um, Dr. Neil Johnson. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and he said, look, um, the, the lipidal treatment sort of uh, lasts for sort of six to 12 months, but this, the first six months are the best. Right. So he said, um, if you want to maximize, you know, the chances you could do maybe uh, on again, off again, IUI. Mm-hmm. So um, we decided to do that. So for the first month, we just uh, tried naturally. Then the second month we did IUI. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And so we ended up doing two rounds of IUI. Um, and still no luck, um, mm. but the uh, public, my public submission for IVF actually came up at this point. So yep. when I'd originally saw the specialist right at the beginning, he said, well, look, you know, you're eligible for public funding, so let's pop you on the wait list right. um, now. So that was, I was really grateful actually that we did that because at this point I was starting to get really sick of trying to do time six and so is my husband and the sort of the disappointment every month of Mm. nothing happening and so yeah it it was actually quite it worked out quite well because at this point yeah I was ready to sort of hand off a bit to someone else and just go through a bit more of a scientific process yeah and that was great that you'd you'd done your waiting for your um, time to come up for IVF while you were trying other things and you weren't ready. So by the time yeah. you were ready, it was there. Yeah. That's great. Before we go on to your IVF cycle, can you tell me um, what does the, that lipidal treatment look like? Is it under sedation or? Oh, no. It's, um, no, you just go in. Um, they 
put the it's a tiny bit of dye um, through a catheter into your uterus and so it's not really painful or anything it's Mm. a little bit uncomfortable and yeah and they just pop the dye sort of drop the dye in there and then they've got a um an x-ray machine actually over your stomach yeah um so they you they can see if um you know if the dye has gone through uh, everything so it's quite amazing um to see it as well and um, I didn't realize that fallopian tubes were so long and squiggly um, because all the diagrams, you know, this show these perfect, like yeah, little, yeah. little kind of heart shaped um, <laughs> arms. And, and yeah, it was really amazing just actually seeing the anatomy like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it was a very quick um, procedure. And the only thing that there's a little bit of a risk of is there's, probably best to go and look this up properly instead of just listening to me but um it's something to do with the thyroid so um they you get blood tests up until about six months I think of um just to test your thyroid function because there can be some reaction to that but there was nothing it's very rare it's just something they like to test for yeah and maybe if you've already got thyroid problems Mm. it wouldn't be an appropriate treatment for you yeah possibly yeah yeah Yeah. okay cool so then um you felt ready to have a go at IVF that's what you did yes yeah Yeah. so um I yeah I think we embarked on that in April and so yeah it was interesting going going and talking to the doctor there um they sort of went straight to uh, what what they tend to do for um, severe endo patients and that's mm. um, put you on a treatment called Zolodex and that sort of suppresses everything for three months so you're kind of going into menopause basically right, yeah. um, for three months and then they bring you back online again and then they mm. start sort of stimulating you that really I remember going to the, the induction session and them talking about that and I just felt actually that they told me that's what was happening and I, it, it felt really wrong at the time and I just remember bursting into tears and going, like, what? You're going to take my hormones off? <laughs> You're going to take yeah, my... Yeah. Like, I was already felt worried and I guess a bit apprehensive about mm. IVF because mm. I guess philosophically I've always kind of tried to go a bit more of a natural route. Yep. Um, I was worried about the, you know excess hormones and the mm-hmm. stimulation and everything and so the the Zolodex option really freaked me out and it and I felt really just like well that's what's going to happen because that's you've got stage four endo mm. so um, did you feel quite powerless yeah but mm. I sort of once I collected myself a bit because um, I mm. I didn't cry until the person left the room and went to go <laughs> do something and then John was like what's going on and so then he said okay well let's you know we'll talk about it um, with them and so we talked it through and um, the doctor said okay well look um, you know we we could go with this type of treatment and you know it's up to you at the end of the day but you just need to be aware of you know what might be more effective um, right. and what the data tells us and things mm-hmm. like that so um, I decided to go with um, sort of the, the intermediate I guess option which was the long protocol yeah so um, I think I took the pill for a couple of weeks yeah. um, to suppress things and then um, started doing the injections mm. from there. And, um, yeah, and I didn't find the injections or anything really bad. It, it just kind of felt like, you know, it, I did, it, it wasn't hard for me. I didn't find, I don't have really an issue with needles. So it just felt like, yeah, again, I was sort of part of, it was part of the process yeah. Um, yeah, and I didn't really have any side effects, so you know I didn't didn't feel like. Uh, well, John might beg to differ, but I didn't think I was any sort of moodier or or anything than usual. That's great. Um, yeah, because that can be one of the most challenging parts yes. of that part of IVF. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I do think having yeah having gone through it. I think at the time I just was going through it and I didn't really allow myself to think too much about it. Um, And it wasn't really until after that I realized I'd gone through a lot. Mm. Yeah. Mm. At the time I thought, oh, this isn't anything. This is fine. Um, Mm. But I do think 
it is quite it's physically and emotionally quite a toll yes and, hugely I yeah think. yeah and but I just I guess I didn't appreciate that at the time I was just sort of in mission mode yeah um, I think yeah. what for me anyway the emotional part of it is like there's so much hope riding on this mm. thing and when it doesn't work it's like okay now what yeah yes yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that's sort of the highest level treatment on offer. So. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so how did that cycle go? Did you get some embryos from it? So I had um, nine, I think I got nine eggs. Um, yep. They all fertilized well. Oh, amazing. But they, yeah, so that was all looking really good. And then on the day three, day three they called me and said, oh, look, um, you've really only got one that's mm. looking viable. Um, and because you've only got one, we'd like to do your transfer, you know, as soon as possible tomorrow, yep. basically. And I, so that was a bit disheartening. Yeah, that's really hard, eh, when they yeah. drop off like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I thought, okay, well, you know, we'll go on. So did the transfer and the transfer, yeah, the transfer was fine. And yeah, at that point I thought, well, you know, that's fine. It only takes one. So I, I'd still had that hope. I wasn't really feeling super negative about it. It, mm. it did worry me a bit um, that the others hadn't sort of survived. And mm. um, I think it definitely played on my mind a bit. I wanted to know why, like, well, why didn't they work? But yeah, and then that two-week wait was horrendous. <laughs> it's probably the worst, like, you know, you've gone through so many two-week waits trying naturally anyway. Yeah. But I think that one was the absolute worst um because yeah you do you have so much hope also you know there's you start to well I became very paranoid about what I could do and couldn't do right and you know to the point where I wouldn't have a bath I Mm -hmm. you know I was only going for light walks um Mm -hmm. just all these things that you know I had a splitting headache and I wouldn't take anything for it yeah um and so just thinking about that two weeks was just, I just felt very tense and, you know, which is probably not very conducive to it all anyway. I think you're, it's a pretty common uh, reaction to that situation. Yeah. Um, I, I just remember it being impossible. It just was, mm. I couldn't think about anything else. Yes, yeah. And you, you know, just you know the there's an embryo in there. You, yes. <laughs> you're like willing it to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, and then I uh, was due for the blood test, um, but I ended up getting my period that morning. Um, so, yeah, that was quite disappointing. Yeah, um, yeah. But I felt that I was going to get it. I'd, I'd had sort of some PMS-type symptoms mm, okay. a few days before, and so I'd already started feeling really doubtful. And mm. um, I remember one of my friends said to me, just trust your body, Hayley, trust your body. And I remember thinking you can't say that like, I don't trust my body because no, my body is not trustworthy. my body's yeah, <laughs> failing me for the last three years you know at this point so no I don't trust it and yeah it was really hard like and I know people you know you see lots of things about what people say and mm-hmm. everyone's mm-hmm. trying to do their best to, to understand but yeah it's um it, it's quite a lonely experience yeah and, yeah. yeah that's that's um hard yeah yeah, there's no denying how hard it is. Yeah. So I, I had fortunately another round that I could do. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to do that as soon as possible, but they okay. they said, okay, you know, when you you need a bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was maybe three or four months after that. Okay. Might be it might have been ended up being three months after that I did the second round. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to do the Zolodex? And I said, well. I actually think I got a lot of eggs, so mm. I don't know if that's really necessary, like unless you think it's going to improve the quality or or something. And the doctor said, No, I actually agree. I think, you know, I think you had had a good result from the egg collection. But so, you know, it's you could actually do a shorter cycle if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up doing a short cycle. So it just sort of wrapped it up all all within the month. And out of that I got, I think, six eggs, and they all fertilized. 
Oh, your fertilization rate's great, eh? Yeah, it was really good. And that I think John John always um, talked up his super sperm because um, he you know he had very good um, results of his his sperm test. So yeah, um, he'll probably put it down to that. But yeah, so did that, and then day three they they phoned and said, "Look, you've got one that's really good, and you've got another one that's." looking okay maybe two actually that are looking okay um mm. but but we would like to do your transfer now of the good one and i said oh i don't actually want to do that um i want to wait till it gets to day five yeah and i think they yeah i think the um the lady was like <laughs> you know, why why yeah just do it now but for me, it was a bit of a data gathering exercise. Mm. I really wanted to, I needed to know that it could get to day five. Yeah. Um, and I'd read, I'd talked to Lula a lot about it and she did, it was great. She did a whole bunch of research as well. And um, as to why an embryo might fail at day three. Mm. Um, and basically it's, it's on day three is kind of when the maternal side of the embryo or when the embryo itself has to stand on its own and kind of kick into that extra cell replication and stuff. And, um, and that's driven from the mother's side. Mm. And, um, so yeah, we were both kind of intrigued. Okay. You know, can, can it do that? And is, you know, I guess, is there enough juice in my, in my DNA or chromosomes or whatever it is that, you know, can fire that off. So, um, we did wait, it did growth to day five we did get a blastocyst so right. that was great and um and it was kind of you know how they score them it was it wasn't like the best of the best but it wasn't mm. the worst um so we did a day five transfer but yeah unfortunately that didn't work either um oh. at that point it was pretty gutting because yeah. i was like oh, well where to from here yeah um and i think by this stage it was probably about October um and in 2019 and John we were out for breakfast and John just said look because I said okay well okay here's the next things I'm going to do I'm going to go to a private specialist I'm going to get another um you know a view um so I'd heard some really good things about um Guy Goodex at Repromed I was going to go talk to him I was um you know saying to John if we go private, then we should probably get onto it as soon as possible, et cetera, et cetera. And he just said to me, look, like get some information, but let's just have summer. Like let's, you've, nice. you've put your body through a lot. You've, you've restricted a lot. You know, I basically was living like I was pregnant for the last couple of years with yeah. no alcohol, no, like, yeah. yeah, it just felt very restricted. And he just mm-hmm. said, let's just have a break. And yeah, which was the best advice. Yeah. Um, and so I still, yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. Um, and so I still went and saw Guy, um, and uh, I still sort of did, did some things, but I, I, it was more just again that kind of data gathering and and whatnot. So he sort of, it was really interesting talking to him because he said to me, "Look, based on your result, your IVF treatments, um, and the fact you you have." got pregnant naturally he said I actually wouldn't recommend IVF for you yet like he said it might be worth going and looking at uh, talking to a rectal surgeon and actually getting a view about getting the endo treated and then maybe looking at IVF Mm. because he said that could be the thing that's that is hampering your chances and he said yeah so so we sort of went with that and I found that and, and it was actually, he said to me, look, you don't really do that well with IVF. And it was actually kind of good to hear that. Like mm. I felt like in a weird way, I felt like I hadn't had good result either. And, yeah. and I sort of, I guess it was refreshing to hear someone who could easily have sold me, you know, on a whole lot of treatment to to not and mm. and actually say well you know here this is what you could do and so that was quite good um mm. so yeah I pursued I, I went to the rectal surgeon and and um like he I had another MRI and he looked at that sort of explained what surgery would look like 
Yeah. Um, but I also talked to Lula and I said, look, I, I just, I, I, by this stage, I'd actually had a couple of friends, one who had really severe endo and she'd fallen pregnant actually and um, was about six months by this stage, I think, and uh, six months pregnant. And I just said, you know, I just, I just think this endo thing's a bit of a red herring. Like, I just feel like there's something else going on in my body. And I I don't know if that's the case or not, but I just felt like there were also, there there might be something else. Um, So I asked her if we could do some more sort of uh, rigorous testing. Mm-hmm. And so we did the Dutch hormone test, which I think is about five or $600. And it tests um, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, uh, testosterone your androgens, and, um, and, a, and a bunch of other sort of like cortisol and things like that right. in your body. Um, and it's a really, really good test for sort of understanding if there's some things that aren't quite right. Um, so we did that and out of that, out of that test, she said, okay, well, like you look like you've definitely got the endo picture with a higher estrogen. Um, uh, what was actually quite good out of that test was they show whether or not your estrogen goes down. Um, it can, it can sort of go down a couple of different pathways and it, and there's the pathway of high estrogen that, um, if it goes down a specific pathway, that, that can increase your cancer risk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was quite, this test actually showed that my estrogen went down the other pathway, so that was quite um, a good insight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but what it did show is that um, there are a couple of things that Lula said, I just don't understand. I've been scratching my head. I don't understand this because I've been supplementing you for some of these things and on very good quality supplements mm. and like they don't look like they're working right um and so she actually contacted the lab and they talked it through and the lab said oh well look maybe um your client has got leaky gut and maybe the gut's not absorbing mm. those supplements and um whatnot so we ended up doing a, then a, a gut microbiome test. So this was all sort of around December, and then I think I got the results back um, late January or mid-January maybe, um, and we talked through that. And so, yeah, it, it came back with um, that I did have signs of leaky gut. Um, mm-hmm. So, which I thought was really interesting because I thought, oh, God, my diet's been, like, incredible yeah. um, mm-hmm. the last few years. So, yeah, I don't didn't really know sort of what the cause of that was, but um, in any case, I went and spoke to. Um, so I was on sort of some some gut health, doing some gut health work with Lula, but I also went and spoke to a nutritionist about it, and I spoke to Katie Boyd, mm-hmm. um, and she gave me. She was um, in heaven when I talked to her because I came with genetic testing. <laughs> Dutch hormone testing, um, gut health testing, you know, and she was just like, this is amazing. I've got all the data I need. Um, and yeah, so she, she basically, um, said, look, you need to go on a gut health diet basically. Um, so it was another very restrictive diet. Um, but at this point I thought, okay, cool. Like, again, I felt like I was doing something and it was a bit more scientific it was you know based on some things that were actually going on yeah and then uh so our plan at the start of 2020 was that i'd get these results um we might try just naturally for six months or so and then maybe so we might start trying again in in feb march um and then if nothing had happened towards the you know the say October-ish of that year, um, we'd look at private IVF and give that a go. And then I sort of had resolved myself at this point to thinking if it's not going to happen this year, then maybe that's it. Right, yeah. And my sister-in-law had actually said to me um, the, the year before, she'd said, look, maybe you need to put a time on it, you know, like in terms of where, are you, how far are you willing to go? Yeah. Um, and the thing I was really worried about early on was John's age. I wasn't mm-hmm. actually that worried about mine, but I was worried about his. And as his 50th 
started to come up right yeah. it really started to get me quite tense and it's funny mm. looking back right now because it actually doesn't matter yeah <laughs> at all but for some reason you know that was my the thing um that was sort of freaking me out but um yeah but anyway so that was our our sort of loose plan um and then funnily enough in so in march we sort of started trying again so i i tracked my ovulation and um i said to john at the time okay so i'm you know i think i'm ovulating now we should probably give it a go tonight and um he was like oh, okay and we got home from work <laughs> um, and we just it just wasn't happening like yeah. both of us were just not really in the mood and yeah I I said you know what let's forget it like we were actually going away for our um, wedding anniversary the following month in April mm -hmm. and I th and it all kind of aligned with when I thought I would be you know kind of ovulating at the time anyway so or around that time so I thought in my head I thought screw March like doesn't matter um we'll do April you know and then a couple of days later I thought oh I actually am like got the full proper test now positive um maybe we should give it another go went to give it another go total failure again so we just went oh what what a joke ha 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 like let's yeah. just leave it um and then that that my period was due um but it didn't come and I thought I thought, oh my god, I, I'm either going through menopause. I'm starting to go through menopause, <laughs> um, early menopause. Uh, that was something that really like stuck in my head a lot. Was am I going to go through early menopause? And then, or I thought my diet changes might have changed my cycle. Yeah. So I didn't really think too much about it, and and, and then a week went by, and I don't actually know why really what compelled me to do the test because even when I think back now like I really did not think I was pregnant at all mm. um, I just thought there was no way mm. and yeah and then so I did the test and I was pregnant and got two lines and I thought hmm what did two lines mean because I hadn't actually done a pregnancy test for quite yeah. a while because I'd been yeah. through IVF and everything and I thought oh maybe this is wrong are these old I did another one and, and I was like, oh, my God. And then I went out to John and I said, oh, my God, I think I'm pregnant. Oh, and he was amazing. Like, yeah, and he said, what? How? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, we'd had sex before. We'd tried to have sex, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was so out of the blue and, um, yeah, crazy oh, yeah Hayley oh I'm just so amazing yeah for you that that little miracle happened when you were least expecting it yes yeah so it was amazing it was amazing and it was very it was very nerve-wracking I was worried that like I really wanted to make it to the first dating scan yeah um yeah, yeah. you know to see the heartbeat that was a big you know, until I yeah. saw the heartbeat, I didn't say anything to anyone. Yeah. Um, and then I told my mum and my grandma. And, yeah, and then kind of even from there, I, I think I was in that kind of protection mode. I don't think I actually genuinely believed I was having a baby mm. until she was about to be born. Yeah. Like when the obstetrician said, right, you're going to have a baby in a couple of minutes. You know, oh, wow. that's that is kind of when I went. Well, oh, oh, we're having a baby! Like, yeah, it's actually going to be a baby. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Oh, amazing! It's so amazing, and so um, yeah, just so grateful. And yeah, I I've got you know I've met a, a lot of people through this journey, um, and a lot of people I joined the uh, the IVF um, Facebook group. Yeah. And, um, you know, there were a few people on there that, that I knew that I didn't know were going through and, yeah, and you know, knew, knew in terms of work or things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and they sort of reached out to me when I joined and, and yeah, it was really interesting. So yeah, it was, it was one hell of a journey. <laughs> that's, that's, sure um, was, man, but you, you're amazing though, cause you, I don't know, I feel like you did something that I wouldn't do, wouldn't have done because different 
personality types, but you just kept researching and looking for new pathways. It's amazing. It astounds me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I think Lula said. I remember Lula saying to me, you know, it's people like you who you'll you'll get something in the end. Like it might not be exactly how you yeah envisage, but you know, she sort of. The way she put it was very succinct and really nice. Um, but it was, yeah, it was like your determination. I mean, at the time, you're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, the other thing I forgot to say was prior to um, getting pregnant in that sort of early 2020, Jan, Feb, I'd gone to see um, a doctor who, Dr. Ray Lala, which is the craziest name, um, <laughs> And he does this kind of vibrational therapy. I've done a few different crazy things yeah. um, over the years. Yeah. Um, but this one actually didn't, I didn't think was completely woo-woo. It was um, a friend had recommended um, the previous year. And so I'd, I'd called up and he has a huge waiting list. Um, mm -hmm. So he, I think it was six months or seven months that I was on the waiting list before I got a call to go in in February. And um, he he basically checks your spine, and he um, it's it's a pain painless um, session. Mm -hmm. He just checks your spine, um, and he shows that you know there's nerves in your spine that um, connect through to your organs or influence your organs. So certain yeah. parts of your spine, yeah, have an impact on certain parts of your body and um so he checks for alignment of that no. and if you're no he's mm. he That's was a else. gp and yeah. um and then i think he started getting into this alternative treatment and they sort of then went oh you don't fit into our um <laughs> you know, normal medical yeah so i think he was actually struck off but he yeah he, he runs a practice basically to help a lot of people with chronic pain um, yeah. but yeah, he, um, anyway, I went to him, I, and it was sort of three sessions, um, of this kind of realignment. And then at the third session, he said, okay, well, Hayley, you're, you're all done. Um, this was over a two week period. Yeah. He said, um, you'll most, most people will get pregnant within two cycles after this treatment. And I laughed. I remember mm -hmm. getting up the bed and I laughed. I was like, huh, well, that'll be a miracle because it's already been four years. And he said very calmly, he said, well, we deal in miracles. And oh. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and I just thought, this guy's off his rocker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, and then he said to me, oh, you know, and, and make sure you have sex around day 14 if you've got a regular cycle. And I thought, well, of course, like that's what I've been doing for years. Yeah. And then it was my second cycle that I got pregnant. Wow. So I, you know, again, there's so many, there were so many things I was doing. It could have just been timing. Who knows? But I, I think that, um, like for other people going through it, I just feel like there's nothing, if there's nothing, if you're not going through like a full on procedure or anything, you know, there's nothing to really be lost other than maybe yeah. a bit of money. And this wasn't an expensive treatment um, yeah. at all. And yeah, so I just sort of think sometimes, you know, it's worth exploring what yeah. options you've got. And got, I did, can't remember what the massage is now, but it's like a really full on like stomach kind of massage. Oh, and, yeah. Um, the endo treatments and yeah. a different, couple of different forms of that and vagina steaming. God, Gosh, that was an experience. Which I wouldn't recommend <laughs> personally. Oh, funny. Yeah, but kind of funny when I look back on it now. <laughs> Amazing. So how, how was it to have Alexis in your arms for the first time? Oh, it was so amazing. Like I was on the biggest high um, yeah. after immediately after giving birth. I just, I didn't sleep. And I think most people don't, um, you know, you've not slept yes. any, most, most people haven't slept um, because of your labor and birth and mm. duration and whatnot. Um, but yeah, even that night, once we got moved up to the ward, I, I just didn't sleep. Um, yeah. I was absolutely buggered, but um, I just couldn't 
stop looking at her really yeah. um yeah. and <laughs> yeah it was that was incredible and then we went we went up to Walkworth um birthing center um oh, which yeah. I was so um you know so glad we did that um they were just fantastic up there the food was incredible <laughs> and because I'm gluten-free most food gluten-free that you get mm. from you know services and things is absolute rubbish but their yeah. food was just so phenomenal uh, like I would go there for a little holiday myself right. if I could go. um <laughs> they were just so great um but yeah they gave That's us a so gave us a real kind of it was just a great kind of intermediate space to just yeah. recover for a few days and you know learn the ropes mm. and be really um, cared for yeah yeah coming home and yeah it was great yeah and how did you choose your little one's name oh we had and we had a list of of girls names we knew that we were having a girl um mm. at the 20 weeks again we found that out and so we had a list of names I had pretty much 99% sure I was going to go with a particular name and <laughs> um and John was pretty happy with it so we thought yeah we hadn't called her that before she came out we just yeah. thought that's what she would be but when she came out it was probably the next day when we'd gone up to Walkworth um and I said to I was feeling a bit funny about it because I think I'm one of those people that if I've got an idea in my head and I've kind of made a call I feel a bit odd about not following through with it right. and so I was in a bit of a dilemma because I thought well no this is the name and we really liked the name but I just didn't feel like it suited her uh-huh. and um yeah and so but I didn't want to admit that to John <laughs> until yeah. I was absolutely sure because I thought he might go, yeah, no, I don't like it either. And then right. I'd, I'd lose the name. So um, I waited for a bit and then I said, oh, look, I don't think she suits it. And he said, no, I don't think she does either. Oh, so, so then, yeah, then we spent like the next couple of days going, trying different names on from our list. Mm. Um, and then... Yeah, and then we picked Alexis. Um, she was on our list, and but quite a bit further down. Mm. And we just, yeah, we just both felt like that was her name, and yeah, she really suited it. And so I think by Friday, it was Monday. We'd gone up there by Friday. We'd named her. Um, she had a name. <laughs> yeah, and everyone was asking us for the name. Of course, name? that's what everyone wants to know. What's yeah. the name? Yeah. <laughs> and what about what were those first few months for you um, after coming home? Um, I think like? uh, just uh, definitely a major adjustment. Yeah. Um, I was quite sore for for the, for the yeah for the first three to four weeks. Um, I'd had an episiotomy, and mm. I think I, I really underestimated that recovery. I mm. probably got up in the first couple of weeks of being home. I definitely did too much um and I should have just actually yeah not been up standing as much so that dragged on a little bit so it made it quite um, uncomfortable I had a bit of an issue with latching right um and what was more yeah like one of my nipples was flatter than the other and and so that was just it was a lot harder to feed um I think she wasn't getting great feeds and so then she was just feeding constantly yeah um yeah. and that was I remember my mum coming up when she was four weeks old and by this stage I was pretty tired I was still a bit sore and and you know nipples everything was just mm. excruciating at this mm. point and and I was just really I was really persistent about breastfeeding I really wanted to breastfeed and I wanted to get to at least sort of six weeks before yeah. I made a call if I could mm. And yeah, so that was th- that first month was probably the the hardest. Um, but after that, we sort of got into, um, you know, the things started to improve. My my latching after about six weeks started to improve, and the feeding got better. And great, yeah. Um, then you were able to to continue to breastfeed it. Yes, yeah, I was. So yeah, yeah so I was really lucky that yeah. that all sort of settled down, and yeah. I had. Um, some good I'd gone to see a lactation consultant um, from the hospital and then another one at Plunkett and both were really great Um, it was really good support Mm. yeah 
So yeah, it was good. But, um, we did some postnatal classes throughout, um, which are offered through our prenatal group. Oh, that's um, so cool. I've always yeah. thought there should be postnatal ones. Yeah, it was really good because it enabled us to reconnect with, you know, the mums from from yeah. the mums group and the babies and you're all going through the same mm. a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Um so I found that and it was an outing. Um yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and it, so it was that was brilliant. That's so good. Yeah. I think so yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, but yeah, the first few months, yeah, by the twelve week, yeah, that sort of first few months after that, I remember saying, "Oh God, like that first few months is tough." But it was quite a turning point. Yeah, I think, around the three yeah, months. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so I've got three questions that I kind of finish the podcast off with. So I will go through those now. And the first one is. What's something that you learned about yourself going through all of this? Oh, I mean, definitely control. <laughs> like I, I want to be in control and I think I've always thought that about myself, but I have always, I have always sort of thought that I was quite carefree as well. And I think mm. really I'm actually very, I like, I'm probably carefree about the things I feel in control about. Right, um, right. Hmm. Yeah, so that's probably a key one. Um, the other thing I really found was after she was born, before she was born, I said to John, I don't want anyone around. I want it really like just us in our bubble, you know, just at home. Um, yeah. And I thought, you know, I had quite a um, sort of people-facing job and the weekends I would, I would, um, you know, loved. I didn't like to commit to anything on the weekends um, mm. because I – wanted to kind of restore that was my restore time um so I always thought I was quite sort of a bit introverted in a way mm. and um <laughs> realized actually that once work was out of the picture and I was at home with with Alexis um that actually I craved I like I think I lasted a week before <laughs> I started inviting everyone around yeah um, and I wanted to show her off as well you know I was so like look at look at this baby you know yeah so that was another interesting insight I think that yeah I realized I really actually do enjoy other people's mm-hmm. company mm-hmm. it's just that I was I was getting that fill from work that's most right of the time. yeah 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 oh, that is that's an interesting thing to learn <laughs> and if someone was listening who was walking a similar path to you what what advice would you give them um I think a lot of people with endo do go straight. They get recommended straight to surgery. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think it's worth exploring just what you can do if you do, if you don't have chronic pain. Like I, I think that, you know, if your quality of life isn't yeah. um, really hampered by it, um, I think that there are some things that you can do that will help. And, mm-hmm. um, and the surgery is, a, you know, it, it'll, work for a bit and then it just grows back and yeah. so and sometimes it can come back worse so I just think that I'd yeah probably just say you know look at some of those other holistic options mm-hmm. um, if you can and um, yeah if you've got the time and um, I guess to do that yeah. because yeah and um, and I think just yeah like I listen to a lot of podcasts I listened to I look you know read a lot of stuff um from people like I found it really helpful hearing about other people going through this um joining a group like just yeah some of the things that I remember my sister-in-law and my brother announced their second pregnancy over a group chat with a positive pregnancy test Mm -hmm. and it just and it was on boxing day and it just absolutely threw me and I just felt I'd always been quite good about my, a lot of my friends were getting pregnant around me and I'd always felt reasonably okay. But for some reason that one just really hit me hard and, and I just felt like it was really insensitive and how dare they and, you know, but Mm. they just have no idea. And I think that's what's great about a, a group of people who are going through it because you can talk about all those things and you don't, you can just be open and honest and you can say, you know, ah, oh, like, I can't believe they did this. And yeah. and they go, I know, like, <laughs> don't understand. And, you know, because if you said it to them, they'd be very hurt and like, exactly. oh, we didn't say anything. Yeah. And yeah. So I think 
yeah, having having support group is yeah. um, huge. Yeah, nobody knows like someone who's doing it. Yeah, same. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and our last question is: What does it mean to you to be Alexis's mummy? I think oh, it's such a hard question to me. <laughs> I don't know why. No, um, you're not the only person to say this. The other way we could do it is what's the best thing about being Alexis's mum? Oh, okay. I think oh, the best thing is just, I guess, how she just, she's almost um, like reset how I think about things to some degree. Mm. Um, and, you know, you start sort of seeing uh, things that used to maybe matter more don't matter as much. Yeah. Um, and yeah you you're I'm a lot more present than I probably was before and obviously things like the cuddles and yeah you know um all of, you know all of those things are just amazing and um I love seeing her grow and I keep getting surprised like yes by her learning new things and doing new things because you just yeah, you just not. I'm just not used to seeing people grow like that. Um, you, you're sort of used to people in their states and how they are, and they might yeah. you know change a little bit. But yeah, just the constant growing and learning, and it's really delightful. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Eh? That's astounding, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you, Haley. Thank you so much. I so appreciate your openness and honesty and telling us all those really interesting things that maybe a lot of people don't even know about that they can look into um, to help them and I'm just so glad you have that little girl in your arms um, thank you finally after how long your journey must have been five or six years in the end yeah it was about five years I think yeah yeah, yeah. I'm so glad she's with you now it's yeah really amazing yeah thank you yeah no we are just yeah, I, I I actually do count my blessings every day. Like yeah. I look at her and I think I just am so lucky. You're lucky, but you've man, you fought for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's um yes, <laughs> I did, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, lovely. I thank you so much again. Thank you. It was so nice to, to be on here and hopefully yeah, hopefully um it does it can help some other people with different food for thought maybe. Yeah, uh, it will definitely help someone. I I just promise you it will. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Janine. Thank you so much, Hayley, for sharing your story so generously with me. I feel like the lengths you went to represent so many women who will do whatever they can within their means to create a child. Thank you again so much for sharing. As always, I hope this podcast brings you hope healing and hugs. <laughs>